Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast, your go-to source for all things movies. We talk movie reviews, always spoiler-free, talk to actors, directors, all kinds of things on this podcast. If you love movies, you're in the right place. I just want to be your movie guy. And today, I am joined by my co-host and fiance, Kelsey. How are you? I'm great. You know what we're talking about today? Movies. Movies, but more importantly, actors who were told they would never make it in film. I'm excited about this topic, so I say we waste no more time. You want to get right into it? I do. Let's get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. So what I have is a list of eight actors that I found that at one point in their career, they were told they just weren't cut out to be an actor, that they would never make it in movies. And the whole reasoning that I came up with this idea is when I was learning about Paul Bettany, who I think I've developed some kind of a man crush now with. I think you do have a man crush. I love Paul Bettany for some reason. If you don't know him, he plays Vision in the Avengers movies and now in WandaVision, which we have both finished and really loved. And while we were watching that, we were wondering how it connected back to the movies. Like, was he ever supposed to be Vision? And that's when we went back and watched Age of Ultron, which is the first time you see Vision. But the thing about Paul Bettany is he was never supposed to be Vision. So I was like, all right, I think there's something here of finding out why, how that happened in his career and in other instances with other actors while well, this has happened. So I have eight people, and I've ranked them by how much they are worth now. So I'll give you their net worth. So just to know that these people went from at one point being told they would never make it and now ranking them as being the most successful, which I think this is something a lot of people can relate to now. Like even me doing podcasts and doing stand-up comedy and stuff like that, there was really never anybody who told me I couldn't do it. But there was people who kind of discouraged me of like, you don't really talk a whole lot. 
you, you're not really in that space to where I could see you doing that. Maybe you should do something else. So I think for me, I feel that sometimes of like, you don't always have to have all the characteristics and check all the boxes when it comes to being what other people see, like a certain career path. Because me, I never thought I'd be in anything where I have to speak because I don't speak a whole lot to people in social situations. Or just in general. Or just in general. <laughs> when it comes to this podcast, this is where I talk the most. I mean, we do 45 minutes episodes every single week where that's what I do for the entire episode. But if you pick me out of a group when I was in high school, I said maybe four words the entire year. So you would never expect like that kid could go on to do a podcast later in life. I think that's how many you said on our first date too. Oh, <laughs> on our first date? Yeah, that's probably true too. But there you go. <laughs> We're from a first date, barely speaking, to now we are happily engaged about to get married. So just because <laughs> in the very beginning of something, you don't think you'll get there eventually, you you can. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't kids. give up on your dreams. That's what this episode's about. That's what I want to encourage. So let's start first <laughs> with Paul Bettany, who has been a part of the Marvel comic universe since 2008. So he was really in this in the very beginning. And he started out as the voice of Jarvis in Iron Man movies. And it was director Paul Favreau who wanted him to be in that. And he was trying to be an actor at the time. He was in a bunch of other movies, but was never really a star. And he got that role basically because they were looking for somebody with little to no personality whatsoever. They're like, hey, we need a voice for an AI system. I think you would be the, the perfect for this, which a bit of it is kind of like a slap to the face of like, hey, you have no real personality. I think you would be great at this. But he did a really good job in that. And at that time, it was never said that he would later play the real life vision who came in Age of Ultron down the line. So he was just doing the voice of Jarvis and that was his role. Did great at it, made some money. And I think the other great part about it is that he did get in so early, 2008. That's really what kicked off Marvel was having that big Iron Man movie, which led to all the other movies. But it wasn't until they were making Age of Ultron, they were like, okay, we need somebody to now play Vision. And at that time, Paul Bettany was you know, still acting and doing other movies. But he was kind of at a low point. He wasn't getting many roles. And there was one meeting in particular where he went to meet with the casting director and this producer of this movie told him that he would never work again in Hollywood. They were like, dude, I think you're done. You're never going to be in anything again, so you probably just quit now. And it was after that he left that meeting completely dejected, was sitting on a sidewalk on Sunset Boulevard when he got the call. And they were like, hey, we want you to be Vision in the next Avengers movie. And that's huge. And now he's worth an estimated $20 million. <laughs> So that's amazing that it went from him. I mean, he still had the role and he was still successful in that sense, but he was trying to be an actor. And now he just did the most expensive TV show ever, WandaVision, and is going to go on to do a lot more great things. So that is the first one up. You think that's pretty inspiring? I think it is pretty inspiring. But that's the first one up. Next up, we have Mark Ruffalo at number seven. The crazy thing about Mark Ruffalo is he said he went on 800 auditions before he ever got an acting job. Like 800 auditions is insane. I think after about, mm, if I was trying to be an actor, I would say about 20 auditions, I would be done. Yeah, I would not do 800. That's insane. Like, like I know people trying to make it in music and trying to go out to Los Angeles to be actors. And it's a really hard thing to break through. And 
it's hard to have that kind of determination of like being told no and no and no again and again, but knowing that you would someday reach that goal. Like I was talking about earlier, I think with me having the position I am now working as a producer and a writer on the Bobby Bones show, that was also a thing I kind of had to chase. And that wasn't the first radio job I went after. Like I interviewed and went after a lot of other radio jobs just to try to get in that I was told no for, mainly because I was so quiet. I remember doing like a on-air audition for another radio station. It was a sports station, which could you imagine me doing? It stresses me out sports to think radio. about. And I had to, they were looking for a producer and I had to do like an audition tape of what I would do on a sports show. And I'm not, I like football. I'm a fan of the Dallas Cowboys, but aside from that, I don't follow sports. I know a little bit about it. I listen to the Sore Losers podcast and I get my knowledge from those guys, which isn't the most reliable source of sports information. And that's the extent of my sports knowledge. So <laughs> I had to go essentially look up sports stories, read some headlines, and then give a solo podcast as my audition. Needless to say, I did not get the job, <laughs> but that's what happens. You apply for jobs knowing you might not get that one. And you have to keep going at it again and again and again, just trying to get better and knowing that someday you'll get it. And a lot of people told me like to take, try other jobs, but I was like, no, I see it in my career path that I someday will work for the Bobby Bone Show. And it happened and it's sticking with something like trying so hard to achieve that, that I think is when you will have success. So like Mark Ruffalo, I auditioned for a fraction the jobs before I got the one I wanted but that's that's crazy for him and to know how I mean also in the Marvel Universe uh, now he is worth an estimated 35 million dollars not bad so that's Mark Ruffalo at number seven and I think earlier I called him Paul Favreau I combined Paul Bettig it's John Favreau the director yes who has directed so many things and I think it's somebody we greatly underappreciate and he'll probably be a later episode that I do just in honor of him. But anyway, that's Mark Ruffalo at number seven. Coming in at number six is John Hamm, who actually didn't make it until he was 29 years old, basically because he was kind of at a weird point where early on in his career, he was told he was too young for some parts. And then later in his life, he was told he was too old for younger parts. But now we kind of have John Hamm in that like older, good looking guy position. now. So I think he's kind of found his spot now. But yeah, 29 years old. I think there's a lot of actors that we think about that we kind of remember them whenever they had their breakthrough role and then sometimes can't see them as any other age because I can't really imagine like a young John Hammond anything right now. But he is now worth an estimated $40 million. So pretty nice for somebody who got started later in life because I think that's a harder thing to do. Once you're older, they want people who play younger roles. You know, they get what, 22, 23-year-olds to play 16-year-olds, which is always weird. So I think for him, a great time to have come into his own. Do you like John Hamm? I do. I found he's like kind of a, some people like him, some people not so much. I mean, I've never watched Mad Men, so the only thing I can think of him in is Bridesmaids. Okay. I don't like his character in Bridesmaids, but I think he plays the part well. Yeah, I think he's great. At number five, we have Jennifer Lawrence, who at one point was told she was too feminine to be in a movie, which is a weird thing. And I think it's kind of like a creepy Hollywood thing of like a jerk director or a jerk casting person telling them that she didn't have it to be a movie star. What does that even mean? I don't too know. Feminine. They told her that she was too plump. 
which is a horrible thing to tell anybody. Pretty awful, right? I'm making a face that no one can see, <laughs> but I'm just like in shock. That what no is that? How that. would you put into into words that face you are making? Disgust? Yes. <laughs> she says at one point when she was much younger starting out, she was told by the producers of a film to lose 15 pounds in two weeks. That's disgusting. That is disgusting. That's horrible. That's awful. I'm just thinking like as a girl, if somebody ever told me that, I would be so upset. Yeah, she went through some pretty harsh stuff early in her career, but it led her to getting an Oscar nomination by the time she was 20 years old. Didn't have to listen to those producers. And now has a net worth of $160 million. Yeah, I think she's the one laughing now. She is the one laughing now. I think if I were her, I would do something petty and like send those guys a, um, what are the, those fruit baskets called? Edible arrangements. Edible arrangements, which are the worst gift you could send somebody. Really? I think they are because they're so huge. They are. You can't really eat the fruit. Also, chocolate doesn't go on every fruit. I'm it does I'm just going to say that now. I think it goes on strawberries and grapes. Everything else. Grapes? I like, you never had a chocolate covered grape? Chocolate covered banana. Uh, I don't think that's chocolate so Chocolate covered grape? They're delicious because they're cold and the chocolate hardens. So they're, they're like a little, like, it's like ice cream almost. Again, visual, <laughs> a visual look of disgust. But chocolate covered grapes. Yes. I'm, just, I'm just stuck on this. Okay. <laughs> but edible arrangements are a terrible gift because they're so huge and the ratio of fruit I want to eat versus fruit that is inside of an edible arrangement is totally off. So at the end, you're dealing with this huge giant thing of cantaloupe, <laughs> basically, <laughs> and trying to get it into your fridge. So I feel like if there's somebody you kind of like but don't really like and you have to send them a gift, get them an edible arrangement. That let should it, be their tagline. Let it be known that edible arrangements will never become a sponsor <laughs> of this podcast. I guess those are one of those companies that forget are an actual brand and not just like a thing. Anyway, hey, they should market their things as being the pettiest gift for the person you like, but not really. <laughs> the gift you have to send, send them an edible arrangement. All right, let's get to number four. We have Scarlett Johansson, who at the age of 11 years old actually missed out on the part of Jumanji that ended up going to Kirsten Dunst. And then three years later was able to get a starring role in the movie The Horse Whisperer. But I think looking at Scarlett Johansson and how talented she is and how many movies she's done that are so, I would say, I feel like I use the word iconic and just throw that around a lot. I think people really right now throw that word around a lot. But she's in so many big movies that you forget how dynamic of an actress, actress she is. And looking back on how many just huge projects she's been in, I think she's somebody who will go down in history as being one of the greatest. I think it's a, and I never associate her with being like a childhood actress or being young. But to have that kind of drive to bounce back from something like that is such, at such a young age, I think it tells a lot about her. Because I can imagine getting rejected for something at 11. I can only, it must be so weird to be a childhood actor. I feel a lot of them have like an early big role that they're known for. And then they're always trying to like chase that same kind of success. I think that's a very rare thing that we've ever seen somebody do. But for her to be successful so early on and to not let something like this keep her from doing that, I would have quit. <laughs> 11 years old, you see somebody else get the biggest part in a movie that you wanted that you were so close to getting and them having such a successful career after that i think that would be a hard thing to do that i think that's pretty cool and now she is worth an estimated 165 million dollars so she's doing pretty well basically everyone from marvel is sitting banking right yes they make so much money from just one okay. movie they're they're fine 
Coming in at number three, we have Selma Hayek, who was told that leading roles would be impossible for her because of her age and nationality. And things you can't say in 2021. <laughs> things you can't. So she was told that she like like an actress in her mid thirties would never have a leading role. And now she is one of the highest paid, not only actresses, but Mexican American actresses, which for me, it's hard to find people who are Mexican American in film. Like it's a weird thing to not have somebody that represents who you are in a movie without it being a thing. Like I think she has done that very well. But yeah, she said people would tell her over and over again, but she never let it get her down. And that, I mean, at even one point, she said she like almost started to believe these people that it wouldn't happen. And I think she's just a unique actress. And she's done, again, so many great things that I find it crazy that somebody would tell her that. And not only that, I think she's inspiring new younger generations now. Like actresses who are getting their start now probably grew up watching some of her movies and be like, hey, there's somebody who did it before me. I could do that, too. So I think that's cool. And she is worth an estimated $200 million. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And she can't even fathom, like, checking your bank account and just, like, seeing that many zeros. I mean, do you check one bank account as the thing? We've had this conversation before. It, it has to probably, be multiple. You bang. probably don't just have, like, all $200 million. You've probably got, like, some investments. probably got a couple, like, savings accounts. But just, like, even with that much, imagine how much you keep in your checking account. I know. Just to open that one day and be like, oh, I'm still good. You I'm still rich. You don't even have to open your bank account. Like, you don't even have to check it. That's true. They probably have business managers who just tell them, hey, you're doing all right. You could yeah. buy that second house. Yeah. Oh, man. Could you imagine just... You're not like me, like, checking... Ooh. Can I make this Amazon purchase <laughs> right now? Do you think somebody like that even carries... Not only do they carry cash, but do they even carry a method of payment? You think they wouldn't? I don't know. I don't feel like they would need to go around... And then be the one paying for things. Like, I don't think that's... I've seen pictures of, like, celebrities, like, shopping on, like, Rodeo Drive. So you don't think they take their Amex to Rodeo Drive. I don't... I I feel like some celebrities, yes. Somebody like Salma Hayek, $200 million. Is that a point to where if she does go shopping on Rodeo Drive, I feel like she has somebody with her who makes that transaction. I don't feel like she goes and pays for her stuff herself. Interesting. Let's get her on the line. (laughs) All right, coming in at number two, it's Harrison Ford. So Harrison Ford started acting in his 20s, but he felt like he really wasn't getting any major roles that he wanted. So it wasn't until he was 35 that he got Star Wars, but at that time, he was actually working as a carpenter. wasn't even full-on acting, and he was working for somebody else working on the Star Wars movie. And that's kind of how he got that job. It's like, hey, this guy would actually be great at this. And then went on to be Han Solo in Star Wars. Then went on to be Indiana Jones. And is now worth a whopping $300 million. Now, I can for sure say that Harrison Ford ain't going to a store and buying his own things. No, he's just buying planes. Doesn't he fly like his own planes? He does fly planes. Remember when he survived that plane crash? Yeah, that was wild. That is crazy. That's that's the only reason I want to see the new Indiana Jones movie. Because I want to see what he's like at that age doing an Indiana Jones movie. And then coming in at number one, before I get to this one, who this person is worth also an estimated $300 million. Huge A-list actor. But before I get to that one, there is one person who, not an actor, but he's a huge director. And it's Steven Spielberg. And he was rejected from film school early on. Didn't even go to film school. 
got accepted by another school, but dropped out to pursue directing, and now has won three Oscars, seven Golden Globes, 11 Emmys, and is worth $3.7 billion. I didn't realize he was worth that much money. Like, I know he's done basically every huge movie, and is probably the biggest director of our lifetime, but $3.7 billion with a B? That's ins- an insane amount of money. That's Yeah, that I can't. I'm like wrapping my head around that $3.7 billion. The only time I'm able to wrap that around my head is whenever there's like people who will do like things on TikTok where they put like big piles of rice next to each other. And it's like, this represents a million dollars. This is a hundred million. And then they pour out like an entire sack of rice and that's a billion dollars. That's the only way I'm able to visualize it because a billion dollars is an insane amount of money to where it feels like money is not even a thing. Love when we use TikTok for educational purposes. (laughs) It's a visual thing. You got to believe TikTok for that. So that is the only way I'm able to put it into my head. And there's also a website of like how to spend Jeff Bezos' money to where you basically buy all these outlandish things and it equals not even a fraction of his net worth. So I did not realize he was worth that much money, but crazy that at one point couldn't even make it in film school. So all you aspiring directors out there, you don't need film school. I hear that a lot. Like, again, people on TikTok who are working now as directors are like, you really don't need to go to film school. You need to go out, just shoot things, get the experience. Nobody's going to care if you have a degree in film. I feel like there's a lot more tools now, too, for people to kind of make their own yeah. movies with inexpensive equipment and just put things together on their own and edit. I don't think you need necessarily a fancy education for that. Yeah, I was looking at a thing of the approved cameras by Netflix to make movies and TV shows. And one of the cameras on that is like $3,000, which is still a lot of money. But if you're trying to make it in film as a director, it's not that much to spend to invest in yourself. You can do it. Go out there, buy your video camera. I wanted to be a director at one point. I think I'd still like to do that at some point. I think more so now I'm into the writing aspect of it. But like in high school, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make movies, horror movies, music videos. That's what I wanted to do. I mean, you're still very talented with like video making. Like anytime we've gone on a trip, you make like a recap video. Yeah. When y'all were touring, you would put a lot of stuff together. I have a... An aspiring cinematic eye, I would say. I wouldn't say that in public. I would only say that on this podcast. Puts that on LinkedIn. (laughs) LinkedIn. I have an aspiring cinematic eye. Anyway, at number one is Brad Pitt, who, like every other actor, he kind of struggled out in the beginning, and he was working a lot of odd jobs. He moved furniture. He, I think at one point, worked at like a chicken restaurant where he actually dressed up in the chicken suit. But there was one point early on in his career where he auditioned for this movie called The Accused. And after his audition, a few seconds of silence went by and the casting director told him, have you ever thought about acting classes? (laughs) Could you imagine now having to audition as Brad Pitt and somebody telling you you're not that good? No. Like, that's crazy to me. And I think he's at a level now to where he doesn't have to audition for movies. Anybody at his level, they don't have to go in and prove that they can still act. They only have to kind of have projects that have already been determined for them. So if somebody's making a new movie and they want Brad Pitt, they'll kind of write it for Brad Pitt. And whether or not he takes it or not is kind of up to him and they'll find somebody else. I think that's what you kind of see a lot more now 
But Brad Pitt ain't out there auditioning anymore. He doesn't have to prove his acting skills. But even Brad Pitt at one point was told, hey, man, you need to get a little bit better. So that's another thing is you got to practice. You got to go out and train, rehearse, put in the work to be better. I think I get questions from people like how to start a podcast. Just start a podcast and keep doing episodes. You're going to be terrible in the beginning. This podcast, when I first started it, wasn't that great. Like I struggled to more so behind the scenes of like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to speak for an entire episode by myself? And it's tough. You just got to keep doing it. You'll get better eventually and know that all your work won't be your best work. I think that's what I struggle with. Like I know that I can try to make every episode as fun and entertaining as I can, but sometimes I'm going to suck a little bit. (laughs) I'm not going to have the best idea or I'll have a good idea and it won't execute the same way. Just keep doing it. Keep going. Be a bat. Be a Brad Pitt in this life. I think I got that out that second time, right? (laughs) Right? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Anyway, that has been actors who were told at one point, you can never be an actor. I think you could be an actor. Me? Yeah. Absolutely not. You don't think you could? No. I, after I read the Matthew McConaughey book, I thought I could be an actor. I feel like I have something in me that I could like check into. I think everybody does. I could not do that. Really? Mm-mm. Really? If, were you ever in any kind of acting thing as a kid? Oh, yeah. I've told you that I went through like a phase in the second grade where I thought I wanted to be like a filmmaker. The second grade. There you go. And you second never... grade me was like looking up NYU. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes 
I guess identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's talk about now the best uses of coffee in movies. We are both big coffee lovers, so I wanted a way to bring coffee to the podcast because it's a way that we bonded early on in our relationship of going out to do something because we don't really... I don't really drink and it's not really a thing for me to like go out for drinks. So I think early on going out and drinking coffee was kind of a way of like, it was kind of became our thing for a while. That was our third date was coffee. Yeah. I think I actually at that date, which I am vegan, but I think at that point I was so like just wanting to have a good day to make a good impression and wanted to try what you recommended I think I drank some with milk. You, you for sure. <laughs> I did. for sure did. <laughs> That's how much I was wanting everything to go right. That I for sure drank something with milk. You also almost missed a flight that day. There's a lot of things. <laughs> there was a lot going on that day. <laughs> Look at all the things I sacrificed for you. Okay, you almost made me drive you to the airport too. True. Well, anyway, it all comes back to our love of coffee. So let's talk about these favorite coffee moments in movies. The first one comes to us from Thor when he tries coffee for the very first time. This drink, I like it. I know, it's great, right? Another! What was that? It was delicious, I want another. Well, you could have just said so. I just did. No, I mean, ask nicely. I meant no disrespect. All right, well, no more smashing. Deal? I have my wood. Do you remember the first time you had coffee? I think I was in high school. Oh, so that late. Yeah. Okay. I maybe tried it before then, but the first time I ever like drank a coffee beverage, and even then it was a Frappuccino. Did you like the taste of coffee on its own? No. Why not? It was bitter. Yeah. I think that was, I, I guess it's an acquired taste, and I remember early on when I would try it, like my dad survived off coffee. He was a truck driver, and he would just take a giant thing of coffee every day, and I would see him drinking it, and I would try it, and I didn't like it. And I think it wasn't until, yeah, probably in my teenage years, really more so once I started college, like probably 18 or 19 years old, where I survived off of coffee. It's an acquired taste. Yeah. I feel like a lot of things like that are. Like, I didn't like wine the first time I tried it. And also with coffee, I think it's having, it's curbing that how caffeine affects you. Because early on, it'll hit you a lot quicker and you feel that ultimate, like, before when I drank coffee... I would say it felt like like God patted me on the head and the, the buzz it gave me. I knew that was good coffee to where I was like, okay, I feel a lot better now. And that's what I kind of searched for for a long time. That feeling of like the caffeine, the alertness, and the overall just feeling of like, all right, I'm ready to start my day. And now we're just so accustomed to it that it's like, I can't function without a cup. I cannot, yeah. I think I recently scaled back a little bit and noticed that it kind of affects me. We don't even really talk to each other that much before we have coffee. 
You're right. I never, th- I didn't think I'd be one of those people of like, I need coffee before I can have a conversation. Oh yeah. I don't want to speak to anyone before. But I kind of do. My coffee. All right. Coming <laughs> next is from Elf. You did it. Congratulations. World's best cup of coffee. Great job, everybody. It's great to meet you. Hi. Come over here, boy. Sam. And I love that scene because we say that a lot. Like, we're on the best cup of coffee. <laughs> I love that scene. Because I also just want that kind of positivity. Yeah. To have, like... Just think everything is the best. The best. Just, like, believe it's the best. But also, I love... I even like not-so-great coffee. I think there's a joy in that, too. Like, I like going to a diner and just getting coffee. And that feeling of, like... The kind of the act of drinking coffee too is also just the thing for me. Like it doesn't have to be the best coffee, but if I'm having it at a you know a diner, it has a a bit of a more appeal to it. Or also, I like gas station coffee. Like on a road trip, I like stopping at like a Seven Eleven or just some random truck stop and getting a coffee, and I think it's great. You do love gas station coffee. I don't know why. I think it was also back to my dad. Like going on trips with him, he was a truck driver, and as a kid, I would go with him, and he would go in to get coffee. But I was so young that I didn't want coffee. And I think now I associate going on road trips and getting a coffee of like being a kid again. I now get to enjoy that like a full circle moment. So coming in next is from the Green Hornet. Oh, where's my leaf? Mm. Who makes my coffee? Who makes my coffee? Will someone explain to me why I'm the worst day of my life? Your coffee is normally made by Cato. Who the hell is that? He works on your father's cars and, and makes his coffee. You fired him and everyone else who works for your father yesterday. I want Cato here now. So in this movie, he had just this cup of coffee delivered to him every single day. And it was perfect. And it had a little leaf in it. And then he fired that guy. And the person who made his coffee didn't know how to make it. Do you feel like... I don't feel like so much with the coffee we make, there's an art to actually making it. Because I think we've gotten to the point to where we just find the coffee we like to buy and make at home. That I don't think there's necessarily an art to what we like to drink. But sometimes I think we go to Starbucks so much that it's weird how like we know instantly whether it's good or not. We do. You can tell by the color. We have a rating system. We do have a rating system. And it's higher than an eight. It's a great day. And I think we've gotten to the point so much at Starbucks, for us, they know us, and they already know our order. Did you have that early on, of like somebody just knowing your order by how many times you go into a place? I did. In high school, there was a Starbucks like three minutes from my school, so I would either go in the morning, or like if I had an off period like and would go to school late, I'd go, or in the afternoons, my friends and I, senior year, would go. And my favorite barista, Ellen made me the best frappuccino every day so much so that for graduation my friends got me like a reusable starbucks tumbler mm-hmm. and had ellen and the other barista sign it and write my order like on the cup that's how much i went that's a lot yeah that's a whole extra level of what i did i've I'm- been gold level at starbucks for like 11 years now nice thank you all right the next use of coffee in a movie one from one of my favorites is men in black i'm gonna get some coffee you want some coffee no thank you i'm fine Wanga. Wanga. <laughs> How you doing, fellas? Oh, shit. Okay. Okay. That's not decaf, is it? Viennese cinnamon. Oh, don't tell me we only got that powder stuff for cream again. I hate that stuff. No, the Greek is a twaka. Oh, it's good. Good. So that's the scene in the movie when he's first getting Will Smith to join the men in black. And 
it's all the aliens making their cup of coffee. I think I remember my worst cup of coffee ever. And I think it's one that we shared together because in this clip, he's complaining about the decaf stuff. And the worst cup of coffee we ever got <laughs> was at a place we were going to. And we thought it was going to be fantastic. And we also thought it was... We also almost went to another place, but there was a line. Yeah. So we're like, this place is way less crowded. Like, we're, Let's give it a chance. We were going to a place with the intention of getting a great cup of coffee. That place had a line out the door. So we're like, all right, we'll go to this place. I've heard about it. And we went there. And at first we were like, man, this is great. We both got like a large and for two... And I think at that time I was still getting like lattes. So I was like, wow, a large latte for like two fifty. It was so cheap. So cheap. Big drinks. We were like, it's gonna be the best. First sip, we were like, okay, this is good. And then I think by the second sip, we just kinda looked at each other and we were like, We're not finishing this, are we? We were like, no. And I don't like wasting food. You hate wasting food. I hate food. wasting food. I hate wasting a drink. If I go <sighs> especially if I go and buy something, I'm gonna finish it whether it's terrible or the best thing ever. I don't like wasting food. I think it comes from me as a kid. If I had the food, I would eat it. And now I just have a thing to where I can't throw anything away. I think I've gotten a little bit better because of you. If I have to throw anything away, I just do it when you're not home. <laughs> well, you've also taught me, like, if you don't like it, don't eat it. Don't finish it. Yeah. it's. I mean, I'm not encouraging food waste. I'm not. But, like, if you buy something and you really don't like it, don't force yourself to eat it. Like, you also accidentally bought real meatballs at Trader Joe's one time. You're a vegan. I'm mostly vegetarian. We weren't going to eat them. Yeah. It happens. It does happen. But that this was a bad cup of coffee. This cup trash. of coffee, we were like, we couldn't even finish it. And the place was so cool that we just like sat there and hung out for a while. Oh, it was a great place. Attempting. I feel like we took like a selfie like before we like with our coffee. Yeah. We were, like, bright eyed. Like this is going to be so great. And right. Then, look at us with our cup of coffee. It just hit. It was, it was really bad. Yeah. That was for sure the worst cup of coffee I've ever had. Yeah. It's very rare that I get something and don't finish it. I think in the last three years or so that's the only time i've done it yeah because even if i don't finish mine you'll drink mine. <laughs> i will i will drink yours to where i would say we get larger cup of coffees than most people do oh yeah we go we drink more and we probably get a bigger <laughs> we do all right and that kind of brings us to our last clip here from role models one of my favorite scenes ever good morning can i take your order can i get a tall chai a uh, large black coffee a what large black coffee do you mean a venti no, I mean a large. He means a venti. Yeah, the biggest one you got. Venti is large. No, venti is 20. Danny. Yeah. Large is large. In fact, tall is large, and grande is Spanish for large. Venti's the only one that doesn't mean large. It's also the only one that's Italian. Congratulations, you're stupid in three languages. I always think it's funny when people... Like, I early on was intimidated by the Starbucks ordering system because now I get the venti. But it feels weird for me to have a longer order at Starbucks, which I've never had. But I remember I was like, will they really get mad if you say large or they correct you? Will they still do that? I don't think I, they I would feel like they're, you. They know what you mean. They know what you mean, right? It sometimes feels weird to go in and ask for a venti. And it just, I don't know. You never had that feeling? No. What? I can switch back and forth pretty easily. Really? Yeah, because Starbucks is the only one that does sizes like that. And or like some places will ask you in ounces. Yeah, that's true. That's most coffee places. But I think there's some people who just refuse to say venti. And especially now that they're, I think that we can order on the app from them. Again, I don't want this to sound like a Starbucks commercial, but it's not. we just use it so much. But I think I have 
a weird form of anxiety of ordering anything with like a long amount, especially through a drive-through. That's hard for me. You also, if they mess up your order, you won't. Oh, I won't. I won't take it back. I won't. Should I- tell the story about the time we got in a fight in the drive-through. One of the few. T- <laughs> we don't fight very often. I say we bicker more than anything. But one fight that we got in was because. Okay, I- keep in mind this is last year. I was like still fairly like early to being here i didn't really leave the house much so like really the only thing we left the the house for was coffee i was like a dog like being let out of the house that was like my field trip of the day loved it like really enjoyed it so we go through the drive-thru we order they hand us our cups i'm like oh this doesn't say that it has vanilla in it you look at the cup yeah tell me no it has vanilla in it and i'm like okay then you get yours we drive off and you take a sip and you're like, nope, this doesn't have vanilla in it. And I th- think I like gave you a death glare because I was like, of course it doesn't have vanilla. I didn't want to hand it back because I felt like at that time. What are they going to do? Spit in your drink? They really can't do that right now. I They really can't. But I felt <laughs> it was rude to send something back. And also like, what's the rules on sending things back now? Like, can you give it back? Do they just make you a fresh one? I just felt pressure. To give something back. And I don't like to correct people. You don't. At the, at, when it comes to messing with people's food or anything like that, I'm just like, I'll take it as it is because I don't want to send it back at the risk of them doing something to it. I've so always been like that. We didn't speak the rest of the way home. We didn't. We didn't speak for a while. I was so mad. But then we went back the next day, had the same guy, shout out to our Starbucks barista who remembered us. And it was like, hey, I think I got your coffee wrong last time. So He's like, I forgot vanilla. He's like, the drinks are on me today. All was right in the world. So shout out to our barista that remembers us. But yeah, that's a story about, in case anyone was wondering if we're normal and bigger, we do. <laughs> we do. We are normal. About coffee. So that has been our coffee conversation and we revealed one of our fights that we've had over coffee. Hope you guys enjoyed this coffee talk, which you have now been dubbed the coffee queen. I hear on I Instagram. Have. Hillary, our friend Hillary from the Bobby Bone Show dubbed me the coffee queen because she was going to Starbucks yesterday and she doesn't drink coffee that often. Mm-hmm. And she texted me and she was mobile ordering and she saw that the drink that she wanted had three shots of espresso. And she was like, can I handle three shots? And I was like, mm, on an empty stomach, probably not. I was like, mm-hmm. that's more of a pro move. Which I should say, when I was in college, I... I guess even though still recently in grad school, I would get coffee at shout out summer moon. There you go. And the large coffee that I would get had four shots of espresso, but I learned that they would add a fifth one for free. So I was up to drinking five (laughs) shots of espresso in my coffee. Wouldn't recommend that. Yeah. I feel like at, I could probably drink three coffees in a day and be normal. There's some three coffees, some mornings and then like still go on to an afternoon coffee. Oh yeah. I'm, Counting out my hot cup of coffee. I'll drink three and be normal. Iced coffee in the afternoon, I'm good. But I think one more from that is where I hit that, like, I've had too much caffeine. That's where I'm at. Like, that extra, like, it feels like my heart's fluttering a bit. That's the kind of feeling I get when I go above that. Right now, I am drinking, as we record this podcast, a cold brew from High Brew. Our favorites. Our favorites. And they're based out of Austin, Texas. And I feel like this has the right amount of caffeine. We now have high brew set up on like an auto delivery. We, auto get, delivery. we get a case of 12 every two weeks. Yeah, that is our favorite. I don't really like canned coffee aside from high brew because I like, well, I am vegan, so I don't drink anything with milk. I also never really liked coffee with milk in it. I just like the, the coffee taste. So I think high brew has the best when it comes to that. I found those when I was starting grad school and I would take one in my backpack and like drink it during class because I hadn't been in school for two years and I forgot how long two hours is. 
And you need that coffee. You need that coffee. So this has been a coffee conversation tied into movies. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Now let's get into our movie review of the week, which we are talking about the movie Cherry with Tom Holland. It's available on Apple Plus if you have a subscription, which when it comes to streaming services, it's a pretty affordable one. It's only five bucks a month, but there's also not a whole lot on there. So you have to consider that. But before we get into our review, here's a little bit of Cherry. I have this noise in my head. It'll stop. One day it'll go quiet. I don't imagine that anyone goes in for a robbery if they're not in some kind of desperation. I've been at this a while now, and it's no secret what my face looks like. Get on the ground! One thing about robbing banks is you're mostly robbing women, so the last thing you want to be is rude. Ma'am, it's nothing personal. So I was excited about this movie because I think Tom Holland is kind of on that brink of being an A-list actor. He already has the Spider-Man movies under his belt, and... I don't think he's really a household name yet in Hollywood, but he's pretty close. And I think what he's trying to do is differentiate himself from just being Spider-Man, from just being Peter Parker, to being an overall legitimate actor, which I think he already is, but I think it's that next level is kind of doing things to show his range and to show he can be a dramatic, powerful actor. We saw that in Devil All the Time last year. And now with this one, I think I was excited because... I thought it was going to be a full-on war movie. And we were going to be able to see that kind of raw, gritty side of him. Which I think we did get a little bit of. But this movie was not exactly what I was expecting. It kind of felt like three movies in one. Like the very first beginning of the movie is almost like a love story drama. You get the story about him. And I guess it does a lot of character building in that. But it felt like a whole different movie. Trippy at times. The visuals were back and forth, which were, to me, visually kind of, like, intriguing. It made me want to watch it, but I think they were a little bit, what, distracting for you? They were distracting. And I want to say, too, the movie actually kind of started with the end of the movie. It does. And then goes back. So it's one of those where it gives you the end, and then you're kind of, like, working up to that, wondering how it Yeah, how it it gets there. there, which I thought was a cool point because it kind of made it to where you understood it. You're wondering how he ends up in that position and then as you're going and watching the movie you're like well how is it going to get back to that and you do learn that so i think that was pretty cool that they did that but then it gets to when he's just in war and it takes place in the early 2000s and that's a pretty i mean it's it deals a lot with ptsd is overall what the message of the movie is his character goes to war he signs up because He was in a relationship, wasn't going so well, she was going to move away. He decides to sign up for the army, goes to war, and sees some pretty horrific things. And it's told in a way to where I felt like really humanized that aspect of war. Because, I guess, because they did so much character development in the beginning of the movie to where you learn how he went from just being a normal person, maybe not having the best life and having some difficulties to going to war and seeing what is just unimaginable and just so horrific and real, but what actual people go through when they go to the army and come back. And it talked about and showed what they deal with. Again, in this instance, it's very to an extreme because he gets up and he comes back and starts doing drugs. But I think what they're trying to show is the effects of what it's like to be in the army 
and to experience things like death around you every day and to be able to or be expected to go and deal with that and come back and be normal. So a lot of this movie speaks to that. Do you think that was kind of a hard thing to watch? It was. I mean, it's it's sad. I don't really know what else to say other than it's, it's sad. Yeah, I don't it, want to give too much away. Yeah, again, either, so I'm um, picking my words carefully. Yeah, our rule on this podcast is we don't spoil movies. We yeah. like to just talk about them and discuss them and whether or not you should go watch them. But yeah, I thought it was hard to watch. And I do think the movie went on a little bit too long because by the time it comes back to him dealing with the PTSD, it feels more like it shifts to like just a straight up like crime kind of thriller. Did you feel that? Yeah. And this movie is directed by the Russo brothers who also did a lot of the Marvel movies. And I think... It shows, and you can feel their presence in this movie because it is such a dynamic movie. And it feels so different. It looks so different. And it's very entertaining in a way that you can tell that they were going for something here. I don't know that it exactly got there for me. Like, I was expecting a full-on kind of like... I was expecting a full-on war drama movie and to see a really kind of stellar a plus performance from tom holland that i think just due to how it kind of shifted a lot that i don't think i got there just yet i think it was great i think he's really kind of shows his range in this movie but not exactly what i was looking for so what would you rate it i would give it three and a half out of five banks okay i would go a little bit higher than that i would go 3.75 Hmm, how can I rate this without ruining anything? I'll say pills of ecstasy. <laughs> Is that fair to say? Sure. Sure. It was something that I would say you should probably go watch. Like, I think it's worth it if you have the Apple Plus subscription. I think the overall message of the movie is an important one. And one I haven't really seen tackle like this. And it's a noteworthy movie to go see to learn about that and to see the effects of that. And I know it takes a whole higher level than I think we were all expecting to see. But I think that's also what makes this movie pretty cool. So if it would have kind of dove in a little bit more into his character and not get so outlandish, I guess, towards it, I think that's what kind of kept me from rating it a little bit higher. It shifted into being a different movie at one point is is how I felt that it took just a little bit away from me. So we'll leave it there. That's what we think about Cherry. And finally, let's get into some movie news. The biggest thing I think we both saw was that Disney CEO confirms that Black Widow is still scheduled for a May 7 release. I think that's pretty exciting. I don't know if it will be a full-fledged release as in the regards of like that they're going to have the same amount of box office numbers. Because right now, movies are going into theaters. Like the Disney movie that just came out a couple of weeks ago made about under $10 million at the box office, which is the highest grossing in a very long time for the United States. And what we're seeing now is like overseas movies are starting to be a thing again. They're showing older movies. So like movies like Avatar have now ranked up and are above the Avengers now in the overall box office growth. So you're seeing movie theaters start to be a thing again. So I think this is a good sign. But I don't know if May 7th is still going to happen, even though they say it's going to. If I were them, I'd hold out for like an around July 4th. Yeah. Or even like a Labor Day. And I don't know why like they... August. Maybe in August. I don't know why they don't just give it a new date that we know won't change. I feel like May is still a little too soon. 
Yeah, May is still a little bit too soon. I think that's right on the brink of when we could have a bunch of people in a movie theater. Push it back a month. And I do want to see that movie in theaters is why I'm saying that. I think that movie deserves a full release, especially after being delayed so long. I think we should have that one in theaters. Also in movie news, Matt Reeves, the director of The Batman, has announced they have finished filming. And this was one of the first movies that got delayed so much from COVID back in September. They got pushed back, which ended up pushing back the release date from what was supposed to be this year, June 25th. And it's now coming out on March 4th, 2022. That's a long time, but I am glad that they're done filming the movie. It is coming out soon, and I don't think it'll be delayed anymore. Just cool to know they finally finished that movie. They've been working on that one a long time. So, excited to see that one, even though I didn't get to see it on my birthday this year. Sad. Sad. (laughs) And then finally, in movie news, we were talking about him earlier. Steven Spielberg has announced that he is making a biopic about himself. I mean, if I was Steven Spielberg, I think the only person I would trust to direct a movie about myself would be... Myself. Myself. (laughs) Like, if you're the greatest director in a really long time, probably ever, yeah, who else would you think to direct your own movie? Would you direct a movie about yourself? I don't really want a movie written about me if you or ha- made about me. If you had to pick somebody to play you in a movie, who would it be? Uh, you did once say I looked like Jessica Biel with glasses. So I do. I think I she'd be Jessica great to Biel. play you. Who's the other actress you like from One Tree Hill? Sophia Bush. I would probably pick her for you. Love her. She'd be a great Kelsey. She's all my hair inspirations. Anytime I get my hair done, I just take my stylist a picture. <laughs> Make so me her. I, I do. I screenshot like six pictures and I'm like, pick one of these. Surprise me. <laughs> I, I would never do that because I feel like there's not a celebrity that really looks like me. So I would just be picking like an attractive guy and like, hey, maybe look like him. And like your hair doesn't match him. You just want to look like him physically. So I would never do that. I would just take older pictures of me whenever my hair was like how I liked it. I'm like, do that again. That I can do. For people that don't know, your hair takes a lot of precision to get the way you want it. You stress a lot before you go to a haircut. I do. What picture do I show them? Because, I mean, my hair, I feel like I ask for the same thing every single time, but they do it differently because I don't have a designated hair person. It's like going to Starbucks and getting a different drink sometimes. They get it different ways. Yeah. Well, there you go. Tying this back into the coffee. (laughs) There you go. Back (laughs) into the coffee. And then finally, what we do every single week is give a shout out to one of you guys who listen and all you have to do is tweet me on Instagram. Actually, you tweet me on Twitter, <laughs> at Mike Destro. You DM me on Instagram. Oh, my gosh. I cannot speak today. It's all the coffee I've had. This is like my grandpa that doesn't know any like forms <laughs> of social media. And he's like, tweet me on Facegram. And I'm like, I'll send you a text. <laughs> Follow me on the ticker talker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, so you can tweet me on Twitter, at Mike Destro. Or same, you can DM on Instagram or send us an email, moviemikeD at gmail.com. And this is actually an email we got from Lori. She says, hey, Mike, B-Teamer here. I'm older than most of the listeners and B-Teamers, and most of your movies that you critique or review are newer, including the ones you recommend on the show. There are so many classic epic films of other generations, and I think you could recommend some. So she actually gave me a list of movies, a lot of that I've actually seen. I just haven't had a reason to bring them up on the show before. So I think in the future, I will recommend and also go back and watch some old classic movies i think there's some very early movies that are very influential that i haven't seen i've only known from references of theirs in other movies or in other tv shows because the first one she mentions is casablanca that i don't think i've seen or i saw so long ago that i don't really remember what it's about like i know the overall story of that movie but i don't think i've actually sat down to watch it 
since I've been doing a movie podcast. So maybe I'll review some classic movies, some old black and white movies. You're going to have Eddie on for that one? I should get Eddie on. <laughs> Eddie from The Bobby Bone Show loves classic movies. His favorite channel that he watches that Turner Movie Classics. I don't know why he loves those. That's a great idea to bring Eddie on. <laughs> Sorry, Eddie. I to, just threw you under the To bus talk there. about his black and white movie. I don't dislike black and white movies. I just never really had a reason to go back and watch like old specific movies for a reason. But I think we found one now. So appreciate that email, Lori. Thanks for the suggestion. Always love topic ideas you guys have. So feel free to send those in. I'm at Mike Distro on all platforms. Thanks for listening to this episode, especially the people who download and listen to new episodes every single Monday, because that's when those episodes come out. And I think there's a whole kind of movie gang now that listens on Mondays. Like, I see those tweets, I see those comments come in that you listen, and it makes your Monday. So that means a lot to me. But that being said, the episode does come out on Mondays. So you will see later today, depending on when you're listening, that the Oscar nominations came out. And we will get to those next week. We'll talk about predictions and about what we think about those coming out. Really excited about those because it's been a weird year in movies. I wonder what will be nominated and how they'll kind of scale that. So look forward to that on next week's episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. We'll talk to you next Monday. Anything else you want to say, Kelsey? I think I've said it all. You said it all. (laughs) With that said, later. Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.